0: Stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. And verse 13 says These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they have called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. And we thank you for your word, dear God, that is true. We thank you for your word, Lord God, that is life-changing. And Lord, we humble our hearts before you this day. And Lord, we invite you to speak to us, my God. Father, I pray that you would use me as your vessel to communicate your truth to your people. Father, that your name would be glorified by every word that proceeds out of my mouth. And, Lord God, that there would be edification to my brothers and my sisters, that there may be salvation to the one that may not know you, my God. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you be glorified, Father God, in the lives of every one of my brothers and sisters as they hear your word and heed your word in obedience, Lord God. Father, you've called us to be doers of your word, not hearers alone, my God. And so, Father, help us to be the people of faith, my Lord, the people of faith that are likened to these whom you will not be ashamed to be called our God. Father, we bless you, and we thank you this day. All the honor belongs to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We are continuing this morning in our... Faithful Living Series and trying to be stretched in our our faith, being able to grow the way that God calls us to. And we've dealt with a few different people and a few different characters, and while all of them are special, Abraham is one that is known as the father of faith. When you were, well, maybe when you were a kid and you might have been in Sunday school, you remember, you know, a little, a little song they used to sing, Father Abraham has many sons and many sons has Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord, right hand, all that good stuff, glory to God. And so what we realize is that there's a reason why they made these songs about Father Abraham. And it is because he is called the father Of the faith. And there's reasons for this, and it is because, first and foremost, he was the father of the nation of Israel. Why is that important? It is important because him being the father of the nation of Israel is also the same place from where our Savior, Jesus Christ, comes from. So he is the one. In in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis, the Bible says that when God is speaking to Abraham, telling him to leave his father's house, and he goes through all of these things, he said, and all nations will be blessed through you. And it wasn't just because Abraham was going to be so great, but it was because of the Savior that was going to come through him. And it is amazing when you begin to study the scriptures because you look at how long ago Abraham was, and when you follow throughout biblical history that is proven to be reality, you will find the providential hand of God. You will find God's awesomeness and bringing forth our Savior from this one man that was way back there who simply obeyed the Lord and came forward. That is the reason why he is called the father of the faith, glory to God. But there's another reason why I believe he's called the father of the faith or 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 why he's a great example for us to look at. And it is because in the life of Abraham is when we begin to see something that none of us like to do. And that is waiting. Mm hmm. You see, we love to hear God is stretching us. Amen, glory to God. Some of us are like, now nah, Bishop, we don't love to hear that no more because we've been hearing and seeing how the Lord is stretching us. Praise the name of the Lord. But it was exciting the first time you heard it. At least it was exciting to me. But then suddenly you begin to, you know, talk about this worshipful man by the name of Abel. And you move on and you, and you look at Noah and his work ethic and his working for the Lord. And, and, and you're looking at these examples of these wonderful men. And then you come unto this man by the name of Abraham. And in him we begin to see this wonderful thing called waiting. The development of patience. Believing the promise of God. And I know that that's tough sometimes, amen? when you're going through difficult trying situations and you know that there is that remember that imprint we talked about in the definition of faith there is something that god has deposited inside of your spirit and inside of your soul and it is the word of god that he has written upon the tablet of your heart which declares unto you that my life should look a certain way that situations around me should look a certain way that things should be a certain way and then you have this word From God, because this is what He's given us this word for, so that way we could do what, church? We could measure our lives by what? Others? So we could measure our lives by our neighbor? So we could measure our lives by the best Christian we know? So we could measure our lives by the worst Christian we know? Why not? Because all of those fall short in comparison to what this word says our life should look like. And God communicates to Abraham. And all of a sudden, we find waiting, but there's something that is added to the definition, and it is faith. Because there is a difference. See, when you think about waiting, sometimes waiting can be pointless, waiting can be purposeless, and waiting can be disappointing. Hello. I don't know about any of you, but, you know, when I, when I was growing up, there were some things I was waiting for. Never got them, glory to God. Certain items, you know, you're, you know and, and, and you have situations folks give you their word. Come on, y'all. I know y'all, some of y'all have been there. I know some of us ain't ever had that situation where daddy or mommy said, I promise. Mm-hmm. And they didn't come through with the promise. And they thought we forgot because, you know, we just didn't say nothing. You know what I'm talking about. But, you know, as a kid, you don't forget nothing. Glory to God. You remember, you know, hold up. Mommy was supposed to do, daddy said he was going to do this. Now listen, families, brothers and sisters, parents, it is very important for you that you come through with your promises. Why? Because if you do not come through with your promises to your children, you distort the view of their heavenly father. And if you are a parent that is failing to comply with what you said you would do for your children, listen to me, you are hindering your children from putting full faith in God because we are the reflection of God to our children. So listen to me, I know that you want to give your kids everything, but don't promise them the world if you can only afford them a corner of a block. Hello. Let them know, baby, I love you, and I want to give you everything, but this is all you're going to get. Don't be signing no rain checks, glory to God, because you're going to forget about that too because life just is what it is and you want to do it. See, and this is the thing. We have got to be able to, to, to understand and be honest with ourselves with what we are able to give our children. Hello. Because the ability to keep a promise is based in that. It's what you can do, not what you want to do. Hello. So we want to teach our kids correctly. Glory to God. So in that example, we find that waiting in our lives, that's the reason why we don't like it. Hello. Sometimes it's pointless. I remember one time I was in school. And, you know, I don't want to talk bad about my mom. I love my mom. But my mom had this really bad habit. And it was being late all the time she had that and i'm not even going to call it i'm not i'm not going to even i'm not going to even call it a puerto rican clock or whatever but you know i said that but 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 i'm just going to say because there's more nationalities glory to god that have that same clock i don't know they got it translated into their language but anyway the point of the matter is that my mother was just she would just be Critically late, glory to God. I remember, one, I remember in middle school, one day I sat outside, okay, and that, this is no lie. Middle school gets out like at that time around 345, right? So I'm sitting outside, and I'm just chilling, watch the buses leave, and I'm like, she's coming. You know, friends are leaving. I'm like, okay. Teacher's walking by. Are you okay? You need a ride home? No, no, my mom's coming. She got me, glory to God. Custodians leaving because, you know, they leave last, glory to God. They got to clean everything up. They looking at me like, you, you all right? You need a ride home? Listen, lights in the parking lot come on. It gets dark, and I'm sitting in the same spot waiting on my mother to come get me, glory to God. Hallelujah. I've been delivered, though. Hallelujah. I got my own car now, praise the Lord. ain't waiting on I'm sitting in this parking lot. My mother never showed up. Glory to God. My grandmother pulls up. Your mom forgot about you. <laughs> it's all right. Glory to God. I've been healed. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Listen, it was a disappointment, don't you think? I'm sitting out of here in front of this school. I'm telling everybody my mama's coming to get me. I got a ride. See, sometimes we find ourselves in those type of situations in our lives. And see, Abraham brings in this aspect to faith. There's some things that happen when you are waiting in faith. When you are waiting in faith, you are worshiping while you're waiting. When you are waiting in faith, you are walking while you are waiting. When you are waiting in faith, You are working while you are waiting you are not sitting on a corner just saying God is gonna do this but you are worshipping him throughout the time while you are waiting and waiting on him to bring it to pass you are giving him all of your life and all of your worship and as you are waiting for him to bring to pass whatever he said you are also walking with him day in and day out because you realize there is no point for me to sit up on a curb waiting for something and acting like I don't know if God is gonna do it but I need to demonstrate to God by my walk every day with him walking according to his word in obedience see this is the thing with us is that when we look at the word of God we feel like okay I'm waiting for God to do this and then I will do this no 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 we got it backwards church what we've got to learn to do is we know that God said this and he meant this and so what we need to do is walk according to the standard and if we will walk according to the standard we will do what we will eventually walk into what he promised. Well, I'm waiting for God to heal me and then I'll praise him. I'm waiting for God to give me a raise, then I'll tithe. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for God to fix my spouse, then I love upon him. Ho, 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 hold, hold on a second. Is that what the Bible said, church? No. The Bible says, "Regardless, you are to love like what? The way that Christ loves." Listen, listen, listen. If the Bible tells you that you are supposed to love your enemies, wouldn't that say, "I know our spouses sometimes act like our enemies, glory to God. But even if they enter into that quarter category of enemy, we still got to do what? love them. The Bible doesn't say if you got enough money in the bank account tithe, it says to bring in all of your tithe and your offering and then what? He will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room to store. Is that not what the text says? The text didn't say wait till you have too much to store. Hello? Church, listen to me. We've got to be the people who embrace the story of this man by the name of Abraham and say, okay, we understand that we have got to walk by faith while we're waiting by faith. We have got to worship by faith while we are waiting by faith. We need to be like Abel while we're waiting. Hello? We need to be like Enoch while we're waiting. Hello? We need to be like Noah while we're waiting, working for the kingdom of God in conjunction with God. That is what we are supposed to be doing until he brings to pass his promises in our lives. You see, when you are waiting in faith, waiting in faith never disappoints. It is filled with purpose, and you will eventually see the point of why you had to wait that long. Hello? Listen, the other day, I don't remember where I was, but I I was leaving somewhere, and I was like, man, you know, I'm I'm leaving late. I'm leaving, you know, 10 minutes later than what I was supposed to. We pulled up. when, When we got to this particular area, man, there was a horrendous accident. Horrible. You know, I'm thinking I'm being held up or whatever the case is. No, I was being protected from something that the enemy wanted to use to do what? To make you have another preacher up here instead of me. Hello. Make my wife have to go look for someone. She ain't going to find one like me. Glory to God. But you know. Listen. I love you, brother. Hallelujah. Listen. We got to realize that there is a point to the waiting. You know what our problem is? We want to know the point before we go through the process. But there will be no process if we know the point. You want to know why? Let me tell you why. Because if God told you the why, you would try to fix it yourself. You would try to make yourself right. And you want to know what it would be? Fake religion. Hello? That's the reason why he doesn't tell you, well, this is the point. Because the point is, Get your heart right. The point is, don't act right on the outside. Be right on the inside. Let me make you into my image. Don't try to make yourself, oh glory to God, into my image. Listen, it is God who wills and works in us to bring to pass what? his good work and his pleasure church we've been teaching folks so much about how they gotta and you're right you gotta live holy you got to live holy when you're walking with jesus let's get it right let's not get it twisted our god is holy and he is righteous and if you call yourself a child of god and you live in foul like the world i got to check you on that hello But what I am trying to tell you is, it is not my preaching, it is not your whatever, it is not your knowledge, no, 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 it is the spirit of God working in you and creating in you that mindset that is necessary, because here's what happens, y'all, is that when we do it on our own, we are trying to keep it together, and then it is not the grace of God that is working it in us, and God wants to work in us, he wants to develop us the way he desires and he doesn't want to do it for a week. He doesn't want to do it for a month. He doesn't want to do it for six months. He doesn't want to do it for three years. He wants to do it until he comes or until you go to him. You see the difference? See, because we can all sit down and we can, and we can sit there and try on our own strength to make this thing happen, to make myself be the way that God wants me to be. And it's not good enough, church. We have got to go through the process with him. That's the reason why he tells us stuff. That's the reason why he communicates things to us. Just like he did to Abraham. He tells Abraham, he says, he says listen, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to go to this land that you don't know. I'm going to give you this land. And he, and he tells him all of these things. that I'm going to bless those who bless you. I'm going to curse those who curse you. Through you all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. And he tells him, you know, he's, he's telling him this. And Abraham is married to a woman who can't have children. Now, you're not, now, you, you, you got you to get that. That's a big point of the whole picture here is that he's telling him you are going to be the father of all nations. And through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Well, you know what? If he don't have any children, how, the, how are the nations of the world going to be blessed through him? Hello? It's not going to happen. So he gives him this promise, communicates to him, and he says, okay. He says, now I'm going to begin to work in you. I want to say this before I move on to my first point here. Faithful waiting is vital to God stretching us beyond ourselves. When we are faithfully waiting for God, when we are filled with faith, and are waiting for his promises to be accomplished. And when I talk about promises, listen, I don't want us to get caught up just in the promises for here and now, because that is our problem, church, is that we become so worldly minded. What do you mean, Bishop? We become so boxed into just wanting to see everything perfect in our world that we are not looking forward to the greatest promise to come, which is our Savior that is going to return to this earth. We are not encouraged. We sit here, I'm gonna tell you right now, the early church, they wouldn't have been like us when you talk about Jesus coming. I bet you they would have been weeping, they would have have been crying they would have been excited why because that was their hope their hope wasn't a raise hello their hope wasn't well you know i hope my spouse gets right i hope jesus comes glory to god that was their hope that was their encouragement but you know we don't think about those type of things we're worried about the now and we got to be worried about something bigger we got to have a bigger picture of all of this hello Because we're not just living for here and now. If you're just living for here and now, listen, you're going to fall way short of what God wants to do in you. But we've got to have that eternal focus. And so as I was praying this week, the Lord began dealing with me about this whole thing of stretching. And he showed me something that was in regard to stretching. And what stretching is, it is gaining a greater capacity. Now listen. When you begin to stretch, remember we talked about the new wine. I just want to touch on this for a moment. When we talked about the new wine going into the wineskins, what happened? The wine would be poured into the wineskin, and from the inside, the wineskin would begin to do what? It would begin to stretch. It would begin to gain a greater capacity. And here's what we've got to understand, church, is that internal expansion is vital for us to grow the way God wants us to grow. He, doesn't, he, he wants us to, listen, it's got to be bigger in here. Before, and let me, let me put it to you like this. Faith dome, you see, you look, look around yourself. Look, look around, look around, look around. It, this place is not packed out. We're not busting at the seams. But let me ask you this. Do you see it that way? Don't say yes just because, you know, it's a, it's a spiritual thing to say. Because, you know, that's what I want to hear. Listen, you, you, you got to say what's here. Do you see more souls being saved? Do you see more people being reached? Do you see more people being developed? People have said to me, we've gone to churches where we've done baptisms and, you know, there's been these big, huge altars and they see me up there and I'm ministering and they'll tell me, they'll be like, Bishop, man, that looked natural to you. And I'm like, praise the name of the Lord. But the question is, when you sat down in those seats, did you see you in those seats? Hello? Because, see, I know what God has called us to. I know what God has called us to do in this world, and it is impact this world with the might and the power of God. I'm not doubting that, but do you see it in you? Do you see it inside of yourself? is it something that and and listen I want to say this really quickly because I've said this from the beginning and I will not ever change this when we get to the thousands I will say the same thing it is not about the numbers church because you can have numbers all day long and not have the fruit that God wants you to have listen to me you have got to know that God has put something in you he has put the power he has put the might for you to impact many more people than you can even imagine but it is up to you to determine I am going to believe God and believe what God says and walk in the fullness of his will. Hello? See, because God wants to stretch us. So repeat after me. Character development will occur to the degree that we are willing to obey. Character development will happen to the degree that we are willing to obey. Listen, if you're not willing to obey, your character is never going to become what Christ wants it to be. If you are not willing to lay your life down, you and I, we will never become what God wants us to become. We have got to be willing to become what God wants us to become. We see in the text here, looking at verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out for out to that place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob the heirs with him of the same promise for he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God now Abraham has this revelation and gets this vision from God and God communicates to him and he says I want you to leave your father's house now, to bring this into perspective, I got to help you to understand something. It was not like it is today, okay? It, it wasn't, you know, the way that we are. Back then, this was tribal living, okay? So there was, like, tribes, you know, based on a family. I mean, this was a big family. That's where you get those cliché that it takes a tribe to raise a child because back in those days, that's how it was. They lived in this community, this tribal community. When you, If you ever go to, like, um, Mexico or these different places, you see a better picture of what God was speaking to Abraham because they have this tribe, they have this little town, and everybody goes. They worship at the same place. They have these big banquets together. I mean, they had a serious big family. And so it was unheard of for folks to just get up and leave their tribe. Why? Because when you left your tribe, it wasn't like now. See, this is, this is one of the things that the enemy has done. It's like, you know what? I'm going to just get my own job, have my own car, and I don't need nobody else. I want you to think about this for a moment. Because I, I had this happen the other day. You know, we needed some butter for something, right? Now, when I was a kid, I remember my mom, you know, going, you know, we lived in apartments or whatever, and, you know, go to the neighbor and say, hey, can I borrow some butter? Can I borrow some salt? Whatever the case is. That's just how it was. But I don't know. It's like I, could, I couldn't go to my neighbor and say, listen, I want to make this. Well, I wasn't going to make it. She was going to make it, glory to God. But, you know, my wife would like to make this, and so we need a little bit of butter. No, what do we do? Jump in the car, just run to the store. Hold on a second. It's, it's like the only time you can, you can ask somebody for something is if you're poor. That's the wrong mindset. Now, does that mean I got to go to my neighbor every time I need butter? No, I need to go ahead and make a list of stuff, and I need to go to the store and make sure I got the stuff right. But there's going to be one time, hello, that I'm going to wake up and and, and may not have that. But you know why you can't do that? I'm going to tell you why. Because we don't know each other like that. There's no relationship like that. When we, when we come into our house, I mean, I see it all the time. And, I, and now, because, you know, I'm being convicted of this, you know, I used to just do just, I would get into, I would pull into my driveway and, you know, I have my head down. I would turn off my car, open my door, grab my bag, and I would do like a beeline into my house. And it was like, now I went into my castle, pulled up my drawbridge, and that was it. I'm good to go. And if you guys read the book, The Dispers the of a Godly Man, you know how he talks about that. But listen, that's how it was. I wasn't looking around to say hello to my neighbors, but my neighbors need Jesus. Hello. My neighbors need Jesus, and guess what? God allowed us to live on that wonderful place in that wonderful corner right there to do what? To reach some folks for Jesus right in that neighborhood, to share community. But here's the thing: we don't have that mindset. So when we look at Abraham leaving his father's house, for some of us, it's like no big deal because we couldn't wait to leave our house. Wait till I'm 18. Hello, we're here now. I-, I can't wait till I'm older and I'm out of this place. Glory to God. All these rules and got to go to church and da 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 da. Got to do, got to get up early, got to clean this, got to, let me tell you something. You're going to want to be in church, glory to God, when you live by yourself because you're going to realize how wonderful and good God is. And you ain't going to want to have a nasty house, hello? So guess what? Glory to God for mom and dad. But the point is that most of us, you know, we grew up in situations, couldn't wait to get out of the house, couldn't wait to move on our own. And so now when we talk about Abraham leaving his house, not a big deal. But listen, Abraham was not just leaving the comfort of his family, but he was leaving the protection of his tribe. He was leaving the provision that was there. He was leaving everything to go and do what? To go start a life of his own. This is what he was doing. So to them, it was unheard of. But you know what? God upped the ante. You know why? Because this is what he did. He added something. He didn't say, I want you to go to this block and that block and turn here and go there, and I want you to go to that apartment complex. That wasn't what he said. He said, I want you to go to a place that you don't know. That's crazy. To you and me, that's crazy. God, tell me to go down a block, turn left, right, and I'll go. But listen, I just want you to walk out your front door and just start walking. (laughs) That changes the whole situation. But what does Abraham do? Scripture says he went on ahead, gave everyone a kiss goodbye, said, I love y'all. This is what I've I've gotten here. Brought his wife, got his animals, got his servants, went ahead, got his nephew, Lot. Said, come on, we're going to go, you know, because my my brother died, so I'm going to take care of you. And you know what we're doing? We're just going to go to walking. We're going to go to where God has called us to go. It was obedience, church. And the one thing that we've got to realize is that God was teaching him total reliance upon him. See, because here's another thing you got to remember. When you go to these, this, this tribal community and you have these, the, the, um, you know, these, the, these people, they all worship the same gods. See, here's the thing. God wanted to do something different with Abraham. And so he said, I need you to leave your father's house So that way you're not dependent upon his gods. So that way you're not dependent upon whatever they're worshiping. But I need you to come out here and have a relationship with me. And you know what you're going to see? You're going to notice when you read the story of Abraham. Every time he came to a place, you know what he does? He builds an altar to worship God. He builds an altar. And that way the, the one true God. Who revealed himself to me, Jehovah God, I'm worshiping him. Everywhere he went, he was honoring him and glorifying him. That's the way communities develop. It's developed around who? It is developed around God because you know what we realize? We realize that he is the provider. He is the one who protects us. He is the one that keeps us. And so Abraham says, I'm leaving my father's house. And so now I'm dependent upon my heavenly father. And so God is teaching him this total reliance upon himself. And here's, here's the fact is that it is necessary that you and I have this same type of mentality, this same character trait of willingness to rely upon God if we ever plan to see the purpose of God fulfilled in us. If we are ever going to see God's purpose fulfilled in our lives, we've got to come to the place that we say, you know what? I am going to be 100% reliant upon God and not anybody else. Amen? Amen? Obedience, obedience to the word of God, church, is not optional. See, this is our issue, is that we think obedience to the scriptures is optional. I don't know where we get this mindset from. That we're going to obey whenever we want to obey because you know, what, you know why we have this mindset? I'm going to tell you why we have this mindset. We have this mindset because we have such a merciful and gracious God, and, you know, he's got some pretty big hands. And so I want you to think about this for a moment. Imagine, you know, me, you know, you, we get upset with our child. Our child is acting up. We give him a little smack in the butt, smack in the leg if they were really coming out the mouth or slapping the lips, whatever the case may be, right? Just imagine that. Now, imagine the size of God's hand. And every time we acted up, he decided to give us a little whack. So he don't do that, you know what he does? He says, "God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will that's what that will he reap." So here's what happens. You go ahead, you don't obey God's word, you do your own thing, and you get away with it. Nothing happened. Lightning didn't strike you? Oh my goodness. I'm okay. You do it again. No lightning. Everything is okay. You do it again. Still no lightning. And you continue to walk the way that you want to walk. And here's what you're doing. Number one, you are becoming desensitized to God's conviction. Because what you're doing is you're making up your own way of doing this. But here's the problem. This this is the situation. This is where it gets ugly. Is that every time that you began to disobey his word and do your own thing and didn't get struck by lightning, what you were doing was you were sowing into your future. So now... And see, and see, the enemy is just wonderful because he's watching you every time you disobey God. He's watching you every time you do something that doesn't align with God. It's like, all right, no lightning's coming, but I'm coming. And you've been sowing this stuff, and you know what happens? You're walking with God. Everything's good, praising the Lord. And then suddenly you find yourself in a bad situation. Now here's the problem. You done for God about what you did here's the beauty god forgave you for what you did but you still got to get through the trial you still got to get through what you sowed. we don't want to do that and see that's the place where many people do what i'm not going to walk with god why why, why am i going to walk with him this is too hard church it's not that hard to serve the lord I'm in love with my wife, right? I want you to think about this. How do do you think it would be an insult if I said, man, it is hard to be faithful to my wife? Can I ask you that? Wives, if your husband was talking about, man, it is hard for me not to look at other women. Mm -hmm. Amen, amen, hallelujah. It is hard for me not to go and get some numbers. It is hard for me. Not to sleep with other women. Would you be happy with your spouse? Would you be like, oh, that's cool, you know, it's all right? There would be a problem. Hello. Don't you think there would be a problem? And that's why everybody's so quiet right now, because there would be a problem, glory to God. (laughs) Be like, there'd be some serious issues up in here, Bishop. We would be having major counseling. You'll be like Moses, sitting in front of everybody, just giving counsel after counsel. But here's what—here, here, here's the thing. This is what I want you to understand. I don't say because in truth, and not because she's sitting here or because I'm before you, but in truth, it's not hard for me not to look at other women. It's not hard for me not to go and get other women's numbers. It's not hard for me not to sleep with other women. It's not hard. You want to know why? Because I am in love with her. Now, if I were not in love with her. Oh, it would be hard for me to maintain myself and walking in that. It would be difficult. But you know what? It wouldn't be that difficult if I was in love with him. See, here's the thing. We think it's so difficult to be a Christian. Listen, the reason why it's difficult is because you're not that deeply in love with the king. And I know that that hurts. But listen, when you are truly in love with him, it is easy to say no to sin because you said yes to him. See, that is where we've got to be. Those kind of people that are like Abraham, who is walking with him in obedience. And so obedience to the Word of God is not optional, but it is something that is expected from the child of God. And when you do not walk in obedience, consistent obedience to the Word of God and to the direction of the Holy Spirit, you are setting yourself up for an unnecessary trial. Hello? Okay. Look at the life of Abraham and watch what happened. We're going to get there in a moment here. The second thing I want you to repeat after me is say this. Our character development is the means through which God's purposes are fulfilled in us. We find here that Abraham, the scripture says that Abraham, he left his, his his father's home. He was dwelling in this land of promise as a foreigner because he wasn't seeing the full promise being fulfilled. He was living in that land, but he wasn't seeing it the way God said because there were still other people there. He hadn't given birth to a son. But if you go down, you look at verse 11. It says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age... Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, notice what happens here. God gives Abraham this promise. He communicates to Abraham, and he says, okay, Abraham, I am going to produce this, thing, this blessing in you. I'm going to give you a child, gives him this word. And so now Abraham has a word from God. He receives a revelation from God, and he goes, and obviously he communicates with his wife, and he lets his wife know, listen, this is what God has promised us. God has given us a word. This is what is going to happen. But then, you know, after a little while, because I want you to know this now, it was 25 years. Abraham was 75 years old when he left his father's house. He was 100 years old when his first son was born, Isaac, from his wife Sarah. Hello. 25. Now, that's a long time. Hello. That's an old man. Hello. Hello. 75 years is a long time. You don't hear about nobody having no children at 75 now, much less, glory to God. This a, when someone lives to be 100, I mean, that's like a feat in, of, in and of itself, glory to God. But this, this, this man had a promise from the Lord. 75 years old. So Abraham is 75. He feels strong, glory to God. Wife is, you know, feeling strong. Says, you know what, this could happen. <laughs> 10 years into this, still feeling all right. This might happen, glory to God. God gives him a little revelation and says, son, look up at the stars. Look down at the sand. This is how your descendants are going to be. I want to remind you. So he's like, he gets encouraged again. Glory to God. We're going to have these children. Abraham, go, I mean, his, his, Abraham's wife Sarah says, listen, baby, it's been, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how, exactly how many years. I'm just going to throw a number out there. So for you theologians, praise the Lord. Glory to God. She says, and baby, it's been like 15 years now. It's around about there because Ishmael was 13, and so, yeah, so around around about there. We're around that number somewhere. Listen, see Hagar over there? Obviously, the Lord ain't going to do this to me. See, that's the reason why I asked you the question, because it looked natural for Bishop, but do you see it in you? Do you see the greatness in you? Because the issue was she comes to him and says, baby, go on ahead and sleep with her. Go on ahead and be with her. She'll be the one to bring forth children for you. Remember what I said? When you do not obey the word of God, you are setting yourself up for unnecessary trials. As soon as Sarah, who was the one who said, go and do this, saw this baby, something rose up inside of her. She was jealous. Get this woman out of my house. It was just crazy. Because, you know, obviously Hagar, you know, because she, she, wasn't, she wasn't right either. She's walking around flaunting the baby like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, you know, stumbling in front of Sarah like, oh, you know, you want to look at the baby, you know, just, just, just messing around with her, you know. You want to hold her for, you know, want, want to hold the baby for a moment. And so suddenly she begins to feel this anger. She begins to feel this jealousy. And you know what the issue was, church, is that she did not see in herself what she needed to see. Because if she would have seen what was in her. But can I tell you, I, I, I want to get on Abraham for a moment. Because I want to let you know, husbands, you have a real responsibility to add value to your wife. Because you will notice something about Abraham. He did something two times that I recollect in the scriptures that is absolutely insane. I would never do it. I do not care. But this man went during a time of famine. And when he came into Egypt before Pharaoh, you know what he tells his wife? He says, baby, act like you my sister. Because you're so beautiful. And I don't want to die. Husbands, you need to be willing to die for your wife. That's the problem. The man wasn't willing to die for his wife. Listen, this is truth. So he tells her, go on ahead. And, be, and, and, and go, you know, tell them you're my sister. And then what does the Bible say? She was a beautiful woman. And so as soon as she came into the town, you know, the king, he's the man. He can have any woman he wants. And, it, and Abraham knew this. And so what happened was she goes ahead, comes to the town. The king says, I want her Come to my castle. So she comes to the castle. The Bible doesn't tell us whether they had, you know, intimate relations, but it says that Pharaoh made her his wife. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that this, that, that, that this plague broke out upon Pharaoh, and Pharaoh got a revelation. Hold on a second. I'm dealing with something I shouldn't be dealing with. And he says, why you lie to me and tell me she was your sister? Commands his people, says, get up out of here. Now, let me, now, now, now we look at that story, and we're like, man, Abraham was a liar. How could God bless him? Listen, God is merciful, man. You know, and I don't understand all the ways of God and all of that. But here's what I, here's what I do understand is what that woman was beginning to understand is that she wasn't that vital to him second time they go into another land he does the same thing to her again so how is she going to see what she is if he is not adding value to her see that's the reason why i tell you you have worth in your church you have the power of almighty god dwelling in you and there is an ability that is beyond your understanding if you will just allow god to bring it forth hello listen She's in the situation, and then what does she do? Because she's insecure, she gives him bad counsel. She wasn't on her face saying, God, give me children or give me death. You gave my husband a promise. I am his spouse, and I will birth that promise. And if I don't birth it, then you know what, God, you weren't faithful. But here's what happens: all of a sudden, the angels of the Lord, or the angel of the Lord, is on his way. There's these three angels that come, and they and they and they see Abraham on their way to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and they stop there. Abraham sees them, waves them down, he's like, "Yo, y'all come up in here. You know, we want to make a feast for you." Makes a feast for them, and 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 the angels like, you know, at, in a second, you know, just a thought, he's like, "Listen, I want to let you know that you know." Next year, at the, at the time of childbearing, I'm going to come here and Sarah's going to have a baby. Well, you know what Sarah was doing? She was listening on the other side of the door. She's listening on this because, you know, she wanted to hear the conversation. She wanted to hear what's going on, but, you know, she wasn't allowed to be in there. So she hears the conversation. When the angel of the Lord says this, mind you, this is a 99-year-old guy. Hello. Old dude. <laughs> you got to understand what the text says. The text says that he was as good as dead. That's what it said. That's what it said. It said, and he was as good as dead. That means that they had probably not had intimate relations, hello, for, for, for a while. He was as good as dead because she says, am I going to have pleasure? That's what she said. I'm, just, I'm telling you what she said, glory <laughs> to God. Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm just letting you know what, what she said. She said, I am going to have pleasure in my old age. You know what she did? She laughed. She laughed like, that can't that, that, that ain't going to be. And Angel Lord says, why did she laugh? And she's like, I didn't laugh because she got scared. She was like, oh, hold on. (laughs) She got scared. She's like, oh, I didn't know he would listen to me like that. Said, oh, yes, you did laugh. Angel Lord didn't get upset. You know why? Because he understood what? that She's been waiting for 25 years, 24 years for this promise to come to pass. But you know what the scripture says? The scripture says that she considered God faithful. At that moment, something happened. When he checked her on that laughing, because you see, remember what I said, when he's taking through that process, you will try to do it on your own. See, all of this time, she was acting like, I believe God. I believe he's going to make it happen. I believe it. I believe it. Then God got her number and said, see, I caught you laughing. You were laughing at my promise because you weren't real. I had to bring that out of you before you were going to be able to call me faithful. And so the text says that she does what? She finds him faithful. And then all of a sudden, she has this baby that comes inside of her womb, and now she is able to give birth to the promise. Here's the question, church. Be real about this. Do you count God faithful? Do you count him as faithful? See, because that's tough. Do you really, really consider him to be good on his word? Do you really believe that he is going to bring to pass everything, not some things, not a part of a thing, But everything he has said. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, you're going to walk into the fullness of God. If you don't believe that, you're going to make some mistakes on the way, and you're going to experience some things that you shouldn't experience. All of us are going to make mistakes. All of us are going to stumble. But here's the thing. We have got to be growing in what, church? In our faith while we are waiting for God. We have got to be growing in our faith. Scriptures go on to tell us a few more things. And the third thing I want you to repeat after me is this: say the true test of our faith is when we have everything we have been promised here in the earth. See, here's the the reason why that's the truth, the the true test. Because now we need to ask ourselves a question. Am I living for just the now or am I living for the kingdom to come? See, read with me in the scriptures here in verse 13. It says, these all died. Who are these, first of all? Who are all of these that died? These are all the people. This is Abel. This is Enoch. This is Noah. This is Abraham. They all died. And what does it say? Not having received the promises. Wait a second. I thought Abraham had the child. Oh, he did have the child. I thought that, you know, they, they, they dwelt in that land. Oh, he dwelt in that land. But what we've got to understand is that the text shows us that there was a greater promise. And that promise was what the book of Hebrews is about, the Messiah. It was Jesus Christ. And you see, all of these things that they understood and all of these things that they saw, they knew that those were promises that were going to bring forth this promise that we're going to bring forth this seed that was going to be a blessing but all of these people died with the hope of what you and I know today and that is Jesus Christ who died for our sins they died they they didn't receive the fullness of the promise but look what the scripture says but having seen them afar off how did they see them they saw them through the eyes of faith they saw that you know what if I will obey God and I'm going to be a blessing to all nations then it is going to be by me doing this and he saw that in in the future but he died without seeing the fulfillment of the promise he goes on to say they embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth for those who say such things declare plainly they, they, they declare plainly that they seek a homeland and truly if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Church, listen to me. When you look at these people that were in the scriptures you begin to understand here that they were people that had truly died to their world they were not living for this world they were living for the kingdom to come Abraham he was not living for a piece of land in the natural he was living for the kingdom that was going to come through his loins he wasn't living for his son Isaac and we'll talk about that a little bit next week he wasn't living for that son he was living for the son of promise who was to come which is Jesus Christ that is why they died without receiving the promise because though they saw god fulfill the promises in the natural and in the things that went on here though they saw god eventually bring them into the land of promise they had not seen the messiah who was talked about way back in the conversation that god had with adam and eve when he said the child that is going to come out of you will bruise the head of the serpent they had not seen that promise and that promise of deliverance and salvation was what they were waiting for That's what they were waiting for, church. They were waiting for the Jesus that you and I have heard about and some of us know. That's what they were waiting for. And so here's my question as I'm closing. What is it that you are living for? What is it you're living for? Are you living for the here and the now? Or are you living for the kingdom to come? What is it that you are passionate about? Are you just just passionate to have that American dream? You know, nice house, little picket fence, maybe a little dog if you're into dogs, couple of kids, make sure they go to college. Is that what you're living for? You're living for that nice car. What is it you're living for? Because here's the thing, if you're living for those things, you're living way too small. If you're only living for that, You're living way too small. You have got to live with eternity and focus. You've got to live with eternity in your mind. Realizing that you know what? We're going to be on this earth 70, 80, 90. Some of y'all might make it to 110, 120. Who knows? Glory to God. But that's going to be it. And then everything that we've accumulated, everything that we gained, we hope that our kids We'll take care of them. But there's no guarantee. But when we go, all of that stuff ain't going to matter. See, we've got to be the type of people that are living for the greatest thing, and that is seeing our Lord. And so the question is, what are you living for? For young people, I know it's like, Bishop, you know, I'm young, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, you know, I'm not even thinking about eternity. But listen, you don't know when eternity begins. Eternity for you could begin when you walk out these doors. God forbid you could get into your car and a, and a fatal accident occur. And eternity began. And you were too worried about a text message, a MySpace. And I'm not saying any of those things are not important. All I'm telling you is they are not as important as eternity. And we've got to ask ourselves that question this morning. What am I living for? Am I living for the Savior who lived and died for me? Or am I living just to have my own things? Why am I serving him? Is it because he's going to make everything good? Is that why? Or am I serving him because he's promised me eternal life? And I want to come before his presence. I was listening to a song this morning and I loved it. One of the things that he says is, I want to live my life poured out. I don't want to go to heaven filled with dreams. I don't want to go to heaven filled with all kind of good stuff that I went to heaven and said, okay, God, I was all right. Thank you for saving me. We're good to go. Hold on a second. I want to waste. And when I say waste, I don't mean it in the negative sense. I want to spend my life on Jesus. I want to spend every breath That I have on my Saviour. And that has got to be the heartbeat of every child of God. It's not for Bishop, because he's the preacher and he's the leader of the church and he's got to spend, no, 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 church. The Apostle Paul, he told Timothy, he said, listen, I am being poured out as a drink offering. And as he communicated all of those things, what did he tell Timothy? He told Timothy, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And you know where he gets that? That revelation comes directly from what a Christian really is. It is a person who is imitating Christ, who is imitating the Savior. And what did Jesus do on this earth? He lived for one thing, church. And that was the will of the Father being done in his life. Stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads.